Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long two weeks. Right here. Prime time rundown. Getting Boogie Wonderland up in here. Alongside my man Nick Partain. I'm Joey Jozinka, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Streaming live as well on the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Network. I'm Joey Jarzinka. Primetime Rundown, episode number four, kicks off. Nick, you had a vacation. I'll be on vacation next week. It's been a, it's been a long couple of weeks for us, and I'm pretty happy to be back here just, uh, just talking about the good stuff that we, uh, we admire most. Yeah. Marcus Stroman. Yeah. Well, the New York, the, the, the New York Mets is what we admire the most, folks. That 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 is an absolute joke. I'm just kidding. Um, but no, in all seriousness, though, I'm happy to be back here alongside Nick Bartain. Um, it, it's as a Yankees fan right now, I'm not that happy. We've already done more this week than the Yankees. That is true. That's true. Um, I know for a fact, getting prepared for soccer season for myself. Uh, in the NEC for St. Francis Brooklyn women's soccer even though we don't sign players you know we still have I think three more players to sign I think I hate to say it I think I released a few more press releases than the Yankees did in, in a week Nick I think you're right um, it, it's it, it's tough tough to see I mean Aaron Sanchez Joe Biagini Zach Granke three Three great players. Well, I don't want to say great, Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini, but um, a couple of years ago they were. They yeah. were pretty good on that 2015 team and uh, in that ALDS run. But we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not too. I'm not too fond of what what the uh, inevitable could potentially, or when it could strike. With well, the Yankees losing. We have to see what happens to the Yankees health-wise because my only hope is that Cashman wasn't that aggressive because maybe he knows he has a couple of aces in the hole that are actually going to come back at some point. You have Luis Severino who's been hurt all year. You have Dylan Batances who have been hurt all year. The Yankees get Severino and Batances back. I'd say those are better players than when Houston just got. It would almost be. have them all year and our record's about the same. So if you can get Severino and Batances back, those are one of the best relievers and starters in baseball at their best, so maybe that's what they're banking on. The problem is is that is that Luis Severino has not been, uh, I don't think he's been cleared for anything. It was just something that came out that Giancarlo Stanton has not been, uh, uh, has not been uh, designated for baseball activities or not that's has true. been, you know, and, and obviously both you and I were both uh, not even, I, I didn't agree with the trade, obviously, at the time, but um, he's not resumed baseball activities as per a couple of days ago. Luke Voigt, sports hernia, he may be out for the rest of the year. Uh, the injuries are beginning to pile up again. DJ LeMayhew coming back, but exactly what you said. Luis Severino, right rotator cuff. Um, he's playing catch up to 90 feet. He hasn't thrown off the mound yet according to MLB.com. And when you have one of the highest ERAs in all of baseball as a team, as or for your starters, rather, you have a problem and you need to go out and make a deal. And you didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, 
the problem is even if it's for really even an Aaron Sanchez, maybe you need a maybe you need a different change of scenery, something. Just give it a tiny little bit. You don't need much. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just have a hard time questioning Cashman when he does things like this because he really is one of the best GMs in baseball. I tend to trust when he makes moves like this and I feel like he was just getting completely I guess used by a lot of teams. I'm guessing when he was calling around, they were saying, oh, it's the Yankees calling, we're going to make them pay more than anyone else, we're going to use them to drive up prices on guys. I'm glad they didn't get Bauer for that price, it would have cost them an arm and a leg. The Indians got an absolute haul for Trevor Bauer, so that's a guy I'm glad they didn't go near. Marcus Stroman's a little puzzling, because the Mets didn't give up that much. Anthony uh, Kay has been a good pitcher for them in the minors, but he's not regarded widely as a top 100 prospect. So that one, maybe I'm a little regretful that they didn't go after harder, but maybe just because the deadline wasn't that close yet, they didn't get into serious conversations, or Stroman maybe didn't want to play for the Yankees. Who has any idea what went on there? But And and and, and you said Stroman didn't want to play for I, I don't know about that, I think. I doubt it, but like it just seemed odd that Cashman didn't sniff around there when the price wasn't like exorbitant for what the Mets got, and they got him early. And I think that there was definitely something else, and maybe... Something that I've heard a few times that the Yankees were desperate. The Yankees were desperate, and I think that just because they're the Yankees, the market was extremely high for them. And I think for any other team, exactly like the Mets, from what we saw, it wasn't that high. And for any other team, with the exception, as we said, of the aforementioned Yankees, they weren't going to get a big haul for Stroman. And I think for what they got, Anthony Kay, I believe, was one of them. And uh, and the guy, um, I just got to get the... He was a hyphenated class. Yeah, he was yeah. Like a recent Right, or something. yeah. So, with that being said, with the team ERA up to today with a 4.38 ERA as a team, you have, you have work to do. Yeah, the biggest thing they have to do is get Paxton right. And, and there was... No matter how bad he is in the regular season, if he has bad starts, he's the guy you can trust come playoff time. But Paxton's the guy you require to be an ace, and he's been dreadful so far this year. He's been hurt, his ERA is way up, his whip is ridiculous. He needs to figure it out over these last couple months. And Paxton has been absolutely brutal. Yeah, you, and you said it, and, and something that I did see, actually, that uh, some rumors, I don't know if we'll ever hear it, um... But there was some talks that James Paxton was actually dangled um, for a potential uh, blockbuster deal to include possibly Miguel Anduar to involve Clint Frazier uh, to get someone big back. That, that obviously did not pan out. There was talk also of, um, of Robbie Ray coming to the Yankees. Those talks were dead. I think they wanted too much, and I think the Yankees were basically saying, here's Clint Frazier. But uh, unfortunately, Clint Frazier, um, we've seen on multiple instances, he can't play the outfield. Um, he, can he, he can't. Oh, he can hit. But the problem is is that no National League team is going to want that, especially with I no DH. Crazy I, to I, turn him down with that bat. I would for sure. But the problem again is, is that th then you have to figure out his defense. That's the issue. Going back to Paxton, 5-6 and six with a 4.72 ERA. Nick, in my opinion, I spoke about this, I spoke about this yesterday with a buddy of mine at the, uh, when I was covering the Cyclones. And 
in my opinion, he is a flash in the pan. His career ERA is a 3.59. His last two seasons, 12 and 5 with a 2.98 ERA in 2017. 2018, 3.76 ERA, 11 and 6. But then, 20, 20, between 2013 and 2016, ERA was high. 304, 390, 379. Did we really expect him to be a sub-3 ERA pitcher? I mean, maybe not. It's Yankee Stadium. It's a bandbox type of ballpark. But Short porch. I thought for sure, having the low threes, that's fine with me. I mean, he's a pitcher who at his worst before this season was a 3.9, which isn't that bad. And it was mostly because he was probably walking a lot of guys and letting a lot of guys on base. He's really cleaned that up over the last few years. So he's allowing less base runners. But this year, it's been a major problem. He needs to just be able to get players out. I feel like he's even a mediocre version of normal James Paxton would be fantastic right now. He'd be a very good number two behind Tanaka on playoff time. Power lefty. Oh, I, I agree, and I believe that that is 100% what he was brought in for. The Yankees gave up a lot for Paxton back in, I believe it was January. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard anything about Justin Sheffield, so... That is not. true. He, he had, like, peaked as Eric a Swan Eric Swanson, Dom, Tom, Dom, excuse me, Dom Thompson-Williams, November 19th was that trade. Yeah, you're right. We haven't heard much from Justin Sheffield, and, and really, between, between what the Mets gave up, between what the Yankees gave up, I don't know. I mean, Seattle's uh, Seattle's in it for the long haul, I guess. I mean, there's really no other way to do it. Um, yeah, they didn't sell as much as I thought they would this deadline, but apparently not a lot of teams are buying as hard as we thought they were because not that many deals, I feel like, went down. Like, there were a couple surprise ones out of nowhere, but I feel like in terms of quantity of players, there were a lot more guys that I thought were going to go that never went. Trevor Bauer was one. Trevor Bauer was one who went to the Cle uh, went to Cincinnati Reds. Uh, he went down um, down Ohio or down to Southern Ohio. Yaziel Puig went to Cleveland, went north. He went kicking and screaming. He did, and we'll get to that in a second. My goodness, Amir Garrett for all those St. John's fans listening in, it's like old school Big East. You have Amir Garrett taking on the entire Pittsburgh Pirates dugout. He didn't even get the longest suspension. He didn't. Keon Cola. Absolutely unbelievable, Nick. Yeah, it was a mailing. And I think it was it was a ten game suspension, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yasiel Pui got three. Something that we've also heard too from multiple critics. One being ESPN's Mark Teixeira has came out publicly and said that... I thought he sent a text message. Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, huh, doo-doo. It was a... Te it, he wanted a 30-game suspension. For Keller? He wanted a 30-game suspension for fights. And I don't think that that is something that is necessary. I don't think it's. I don't think it, it's that's too much. It depends. Thirty on the type games, of right? Parole. Like that was a bad parole. If they would have went to like twenty games for maybe Garrett or Kella, I I wouldn't have been against it. Like 
you really can't be charging and throwing massive punches. I understand the whole dugout clearing, a little pushing and shoving and whatnot. There were some haymakers for Those guys were pissed. That's the kind of fight you really don't want to have. It's fun for us to watch from the sidelines and be like, wow, look at these guys going at it. It's like a hockey fight down there. But really, that, that can't happen. But, I mean, the suspension part of it isn't going to change guys going in for a fight. None of those guys at the time were thinking, I'm going to get suspended for this. They were thinking, my guy got drilled or thrown at it, and i got to defend him. So, really, the rules have to change there, where throwing at a guy's head gets you punished immediately. Thrown out of the game, big punishment right after that. Because if there are more league-wide punishments when these brawls first started happening, because this is not the first Reds-Pirates brawl this year. They've been pissed at each other since game one with Dietrich flipping the bat and whatnot. Um, Keon Kella, yeah, I, I, for some reason I said Cola. But yeah. Not Pepsi? No. No. Uh, we're yeah. not, we, uh, disclaimer, folks. Um, we're not sponsored by them. Um, but in all seriousness, though, I, I don't know... I, I honestly have no idea what Major League Baseball could have done better. I think they did it perfectly fine. Well, for this instance, yeah, but they, as a whole, they need to take these ridiculous unwritten rules out of the game. And they this need to is start what and these things themselves, because if the first time there was any kind of incident between these two teams this year, a big suspension was handed out or a fine it would have sent more of a message from the league saying if this continues to escalate, it's only going to get worse from here. The first time it happened, nothing happened. I mean, Dietrich watched the home run, there was some yelling, and that was it. But then he got plunked, I think, the game after. I don't think anyone ever got suspended for any of the early stuff. And Joey Votto, too. Joey Votto was continuously chatting with the, uh, with the Pirates. This was all in Cincinnati, obviously. Um, absolutely surreal. Honestly, the way the way that it all went down, you know, and and I've been to a uh, last year I was in Cincinnati for a uh, Memorial Day weekend last year, uh, Pirates Reds, and both teams were out of it. Both teams were god awful, which they are now. Reds are on the I guess I don't want to call it upswing, but they're trying to rebound, um, and we saw that with the. With the uh, with the Trevor Bauer trade, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, um, not a bad top two in a, in a National League. Yeah, Sonny Gray's rebounded this year. Yeah, he's been great. Yeah, he's on one of my fantasy teams. He's pitching pretty well right, right. now. Right, yeah. nice to see. I felt bad for him as a Yankee that he just he yeah. couldn't handle a big, you know, small ballpark. Like, yep. he just he could not pitch at Yankee Stadium. So I'm happy that he's able to go somewhere where he can succeed and he's not pitching against but my Yeah, but my point is is that those games are great. And and, and for, again, those that are listening, um, I completely recommend heading out to Great American Ballpark um, right, on the, uh, right on the Ohio River, Porters, Kentucky. Um, he's got great in the name. How do you not want to go there? <laughs> I'm doing all the marketing for you. <laughs> um, our 516 sports update, the NBA... Uh, actually, ESPN's, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski uh, has come out with the uh, prospective and alleged uh, schedule for... Yeah, it's coming from the, a lot of different yep, sources. It you has, put it all together yeah. and confirmed everything. Yep. So I'd so, say it's pretty much what it's going to be. I think uh, Nick Partain could be the one to release some of the uh, that schedule for us. It looks like uh, defending NBA champs, Toronto uh, hosting... Boston, some good stuff there. I was kind of hoping for a finals rematch there, but I'll take it. 
Rockets Warriors. That'll be a fun game, but you know, you guys, it would have been. Bucks Seventy Sixers. That's going to be great. Wow. This is the consensus top two in the East. Two stacked teams. It's going to be a phenomenal game. I can't wait for that one. And that most likely will be the first game of the day. We don't know just yet. Also, the New Orleans Pelicans taking on the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, the Pelicans getting on without Anthony Davis. Yeah. They're able to rebound. I love what David Griffin's done with that roster so far. They're going to be fun to watch. I can't get those Lakers guys healthy. If Ingram's playing healthy and Ball's healthy, they got something there. They're going to be at least watchable, and they can contend for a playoff spot. And on top of it, too, let's not forget, they have one of the best guys in Drew Holiday still. Yeah. Supremely underrated player. He's going to be really fun to watch playing with Zion. If the two of them on a pick and roll, is going to be nasty. You have him. You also have Josh Hart, too. Up-and-coming shooting guard from, from Villanova. Ideal 3 and D. There is going to be a, a lot. They, they have a good problem. They have a very good problem. They're a really deep team. Like They're like three deep everywhere. They're going to be really fun. And Jackson Hayes in Summer League was dunking on everyone. Him and Zion as your 4-5 is going to be fun. You want to talk about the new Lob City? People keep saying that it could be somewhere else. This could very well be the new Lob City. Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball throwing the ball up to Hayes and Zion is going to be fun to watch. And now that, and now that you say Lob City, well, we'll go back to uh, to Lob City's former team in uh, the LA Clippers taking on the Lakers. Uh, we don't. Obviously, is the premier game. That is going to be the premier game. We figure that one to be, uh, you know, 3:30 ABC uh, tip off on Christmas. That'll be, you know, the the pre-dinner uh, game. But uh, that one's going to be a lot of fun. Kawhi PG 13. Uh, let's not forget also, obviously, my Lakers, LeBron. Rondo. Yeah, Rondo, let's not forget. Rajon Rondo, DeMarcus Cousins, Boogie Cousins, uh, and Anthony Davis. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I, I can't wait to see that. So that is our uh, that is our 516 sports update. We'll get to the rest at 631 moving forward. But um, keeping on... Keeping on, on pace with the NBA here, um, a rumor came out, not even a rumor, a full-on story came out uh, in terms of Zion Williamson and what he's done in terms of making a name for himself nice and early, Nick. And it looks as if that he signed with Michael Jordan, with the Jordan brand, and good for him. Really, really good for him because he turned down millions and millions of dollars in multiple deals. And why did he do that? I don't know. He turned down Puma. He wore Puma multiple times. And I don't know. He also blew out his his shoe. That was a Nike, wasn't it? That was Jordan Nike, yes. Jordan. Yep. That was Nike. And I believe they were Kyrie Force, I believe. I think so. Yep, that is the case. Thank you, ESPN. Um, and once that happened at Duke, he switched off between Puma and Jordan, and that was the case in the Summer League once he was drafted. And there were rumors that it would be $20 million a year. Michael Jordan said, quote, Zion's incredible determination, character, and play are inspiring. He's an essential part of new talent that will help lead the brand into the future. 
this is the this is the highest shoe deal in all of basketball has just eclipsed a, a LeBron's uh, deal back in 2003 when he came on when he uh, burst onto the scene obviously and that was a seven year 87 million dollar deal in 2003 how crazy is that that times have changed yeah I mean for Zion's sake I don't think the money means anything. He knows he's going to make a ton of money, endorsements, shoes, salary in his career. He, a couple million bucks, he probably wore both sets of shoes. He was probably using Puma to drive up Jordan, because I'm sure he knew a while ago he wanted Jordan. This wasn't like him still trying them out in the summer league. He knew they were both the highest bidders. He was wearing both. My guess is he just prefers Jordan's shoes and Jordan brand, so that's what he went with. He was going to go where he wanted to go. He wasn't going to let the money dictate him at this point. He knows he's getting paid. Not only is he getting paid, but I think he's going to get a lot of endorsements down in New Orleans. It's obviously a much smaller market than here. And Sorry, look at the national markets. Like, it doesn't have to be just New Orleans. Like, people everywhere know who Zion is. He can do national commercials and things he like hit that. The like, he would have hit the jackpot if he was here, though, in, yeah, in Manhattan, obviously. True, but, oh well, then you deal with the scrutiny, too, so... That's true, and all of the fingers would be pointing to him now when you have a full squad, and really, in my opinion, if you want to make the playoffs quick, I think you were put right into the perfect situation in New Orleans. No, that's, I mean, eh, eh, the West is so competitive that, that is true. he probably has a better roster than he would have had with some of the Eastern Conference teams, but if he's like... A good NBA player right off the bat, he could have taken like a Knicks or a Bulls to oh, yeah. the playoffs. Even with them not being that good, just the yeah. East is so weak that he could have brought a mediocre team to a playoff spot. Here, he's on a good team and they might not even make it. But so. also, right, but also in terms of not even making it, but originally they were supposed to be another lottery team, the Pelicans, before they traded away Anthony Davis. Well, and they technically so still are supposed to be in that range. They're supposed to be around that 30 to 35, or no, a 25 to 30 win team, which really, no, not, I, can't I think, shocked. I think that they could do a lot better. They could be in the 40s. Yeah, I, think I wouldn't even, a playoff team. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't, I would not say no if they, if someone came out and said it's going to be 45 wins for the Pelicans. Yeah. I think they yeah. can do it. It wouldn't have been a playoff team last year, but I think they could be good. Lonzo. I can't believe I just said that. Drew Holiday. Josh Hart. Brandon Ingram. How about the kids? Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Both of them Jackson Hayes is the biggest one to speak about who has literally. shined. Yeah, fi yeah, figuratively and literally. He has shined and has been absolutely amazing in the summer league last month. And we didn't even mention, they also signed Derek Favors from Utah. They have a very, very, very deep team all over the place. As we said earlier, I think they have a very, very JJ Redick. good problem. Yeah, they, yeah, you're going to have to fight to earn minutes, and the guys that are playing well are going to be the ones who play. You know, I would not be surprised if there was one trade one trade and New Orleans is at the forefront of it maybe in training camp 
you might have some issues in terms of playing time. You have guys that would be a starter on certain rosters and might be buried on the bench. Yeah, I mean... Can you really go through nine, ten guys? Yeah, during the regular season, absolutely. You nine can for guys, sure, they'll, yes, they'll but... flatten out the minutes a little bit. You don't want to On a consistent basis. It, you're also going to have injuries throughout the year. I think this year they'll be okay because they'll limit the young, young guys' minutes. I don't think Zion is going to start. He's going to play, but they're going to be careful. They don't want him to blow out his knee or anything. They don't want him to hurt himself. So and everyone they'll is... keep him on the down low. The veterans will play plenty. But I think next year is the year you could see maybe some turnover if Lonzo Ball takes a big step and you need to get him in the starting lineup. Um, Alexander Walker, if he takes a big step, if Hayes takes a big step, then maybe you'll see some turnover where they got to get those guys in the lineup. For now, having a starting lineup of mostly veterans... And Jaleel, Jaleel Okafor also, let's not forget. He played all right last year. He finally got a consistent role somewhere. He turned himself around a little bit. He's respectable. We know what he is capable of, Jaleel Okafor. And a couple of years ago, before Joel Embiid burst onto the scene, he was one of the better picks in 2015. Yeah, he was number two. Number three. Oh, yeah, Randall went out. Uh, Russell went out. Yeah, he was number three. And in his first year, 2015-16, he averaged 17 and a half points, seven boards. Yeah, it was mostly opportunity-based. It you was. You got to be careful with the counting stats like that because he wasn't efficient at all and he played horrible defense. So it was kind That's of like, fair. It was kind of typical rookie thing where, like, oh, look, yep. there's numbers. But That's like, fair. Is he really playing well? No, and he wasn't and he wasn't playing well. But then when he was traded to Brooklyn, he didn't really have a role. Yeah, but by then he had already like shown the NBA right. like he just he wasn't improving on defense no. enough to be able to play and he was one dimensional offensively, he just he wasn't showing enough. Eight point two points a game in fifty nine games played, twenty four games started for the New Orleans Pelicans, sixty six point three percent from the charity strike. 4.7 boards a game, averaged the same amount as 2016-17 in nine more games played. I, I, I think you're right on that, Nick, where, <clears throat> excuse me, the way his defense, the way his defense um, is, was, I don't know if he's gonna. He might be. He might be a casualty um, in in New Orleans. I think it's the second half of the year. I think his potential has been topped out. Like he's never gonna be able to think more than a role player. So they'd have no problem cutting bait if he just doesn't play well. Jackson Hayes, Zion Williamson, Derek Favors, all have the ability to play the five. Yeah, and they signed uh, Nicolo Milli, right? The guy from Europe. Yeah, knows what he could be. He could end up. He could be, be he he could be like in a he could be like a Zubats, where he burst onto the scene when Javale McGee went down for the Lakers last year. Yeah. And now the Lakers traded him for nothing. And for reasons people don't understand. And now Zubats is going to be the starter in the other side of the locker room yep. for the Clippers. That's be and a fun little story to watch because I hope he dominates because they. they I want him to dominate. Just on like a salary dump for no reason. He was a good player and they basically gave him away. 
Well, smart move from the Clippers. They were like, you're going to give us picks for a good player? Okay, sure. Thank you. You got me. Thank you very much, Rob Palinka, for that one. Well, let's keep it going. There is a little bit of a problem with D.D. Gregorius's finger. Nick. Well, it's not necessarily one finger. Apparently, it was like a strain between his fingers or something. Which seems like an incredible injury to sustain, but I can't see that being more than like a couple of days. So I think he'll be all right. If he comes, if he goes back onto the DL or onto the injured list, my mistake. Could have some another, as we said, another. I don't know problem on the on the list. Yeah, I mean, where it could as long be as another short term, and he doesn't get anywhere near missing playoff games. It's like, all right, whatever, they'll, they'll trudge through. They're like eight games up in the division. So right. as long as they keep playing decently, they'll and, be all right. And we'll also, these guys in April and May, and they were fine. So. And also on top of that, too, Nick, you said it. The way that Boston has played of late. Dreadful. Absolutely, Rays, absolutely dreadful. They got swept by the Rays. Uh, they're, not, they're not good right now. Yeah, the Rays swept the Red Sox. They're still seven games back, so like... There's there's a lot there's a lot of injury, there's a lot of turnover. The injury, mainly for the Yankees. Brett Gardner just came back. That helps with. Um, I mean, I don't want to say it helps. I mean, it, it it's you know, uh, you know, you have uh, Gary Sanchez on the injured list, Stanton on the injured list, Luke Voigt. Uh, the list goes on. Yeah, the, the bat ones, it's, to me, they've, they've continued to be able to cycle. It's the, the pitching that's the, pitching. the problem, because right. there's not enough. Yeah, we need Severino, we need Batances to be useful come playoff time. Like, even for Severino, if he could be a reliever even come playoff time and do, like, like a split start kind of thing, maybe with CC, because CC always has those short outings. But I think CC during the playoffs, can go through the lineup once, give you two to three innings. Mm-hmm. Maybe be able to get that out of him, have Severino follow him for another maybe one shot through the line. But you could turn your rotation into a very short term on all these guys, get them out of there quick, and let your bullpen go if you can get it deep enough. If you're adding two more power arms to you, this bullpen they have right now, starters won't have to pitch much at all. You could let relievers dominate. I know we didn't talk about this in our pre-show and in our prep, but something that I want to bring up, Nick, and I know you are. That's why. That's why I'm beyond comfortable bringing it up with you. My second favorite team, the Washington Nationals, made three moves, bringing on Hunter Strickland, Daniel Hudson, and Ronis Ellis. It's the same story every year with the Nationals. They always need relievers. That's and they do all a pretty good job of going out and they getting do. relievers. It's a matter of will they pitch well. Because That's the issue, right? Mixed results. And they got both Hunter Strickland and Ro- and Ronis El- uh, Elias, excuse me, from Seattle. And the reason why I bring that up is because the Nationals, Nick, in the beginning of the season, they were practically dead in the water. Yeah. And why? Because. Some big guy named Bryce Harper up and left and went north to Philly. And Philadelphia, mind you, what did they do at the trade deadline? Nothing. They got Jason Vargas. Vargas. 
David Robertson has gone down with a uh, with possibly a torn UCL. He's going to end up a Yankee again at some point. Well, not for a few years because well, he's UCL is torn. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not. I think it's a a, a, a flexor a tendon or something like that. Right, that's send there. Send me a Tanaka's doctor. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Listen, that worked out, man. He's pitching and that thing is on a freaking hinge and he's surviving. And that's the case. Right now, that's exactly what it is, what he is pitching on. Tanaka, rather. Um, the Nationals right now, they could potentially... I don't think they're going to win the division. There's, they're, they're, I think they're eight games back or seven games back or something like that. Max Scherzer on the injured list. Ryan Zimmerman on the well, no surprise. Ryan Zimmerman on the on the injured list again. Um, Matt Adams again. Uh, they're they're beginning to do something. Uh, no, I don't want to say special, but I do I do agree with you, Nick. I do believe that for what they for what they have for what they had. Yes, it stinks that they're on a two game losing streak right now. They are seven games back. And tied three-way tie. Yep, yeah, actually a three-way tie, uh, a two-way tie with um, let's say three games in the uh, wild card, uh, yeah. in, in the in the NL East. Uh, uh, they're, they're, three yeah. in the wild card, two in the East. Right, so exactly. Tied with coincidentally Philly and, and Chicago Cubs. And they've scored more runs than Philly. Yeah, well, I definitely at some point we got to try and bring on uh, Cubs hitting coach Anthony Iaposi, and he'll be able to tell us uh, a few things. Maybe he's gotten. Uh, a few of uh, a few of the Cubs hitters going. I don't know how Rizzo. he got Javi Baez to go from being just a glove to being basically one of the best players in baseball. Exactly. So we'll definitely have to bring him on at some point in September to ask him about that. But uh, sticking to what we were talking about, their uh, run differential is plus forty-seven, which is, good. which is for the Nationals. The Mets they're on the upswing. Cannot believe this. They they go there at PNC Park. They start a three-game set. Um, or sorry, they um, uh, the four-game set. My goodness, they they were at the at the Pirates yesterday. I think so. The 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 Mets. Yes. Now I have the no. They were in Chicago. What am I saying? Right. For nothing. Right. That. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They were there. Yeah. Or they were hosting the Pirates. Yes. That's that's my mistake, folks. Um. It, it's it's mind boggling how six games over 500, 31 and twenty five at home the Nationals are. They've scored five hundred and forty runs this season. Teams over 500 they have issues with, as most teams do, obviously. They're 22 and 24, but really, 22 and 24 without Bryce Harper and basically saying that they're dead in the water. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what has happened there last year? Davey Martinez, who at one point was a laughingstock of a manager. What, what they've done. I mean, to be fair, I ended up actually picking them to win this division. I still thought they were the best team, even without Bryce Harper. I thought the big three pitchers they have, Corbin, Scherzer, and Strasburg, were enough. 
I thought the Braves were going to be good. I didn't think the Braves would be this good. I thought it would be Nationals, Phillies, Braves as the top in that division. I think Victor Robles and Juan Soto were good enough to replace Bryce Harper. Adam Eaton was going to come back. I saw enough talent on this roster that they could win the division. So I'm not necessarily surprised at how well they're playing now. I'm more surprised at how badly they were playing and that they were able to turn it around. I thought the Nationals could be this good. They'd be competitive, a team that you don't want to play in a one-game playoff, especially. Because who's picking against Max Scherzer in that one-game playoff? The Nationals haven't been able to win playoff series as a whole. Scherzer's never been the problem. That guy's going to go out and pitch. And if he's healthy and they play a one-game playoff against either Atlanta or the Cubs or the Mets or the Brewers or any of the ten different teams that can end up in the wild card right now, I'd pick them. And then if they have to play one of the weaker divisions, actually it wouldn't be. They'd probably have to play the Dodgers. That's where the problems would start. But for now, I think they could easily end up getting through the wild card with the team that they have. And if the bullpen guys are really good, they could end up causing problems for the Dodgers who didn't address their bullpen problem. The Dodgers, we saw actually it was wild. Um, I think it was July 31st where Kenley Jansen almost blew the game where he had, I think it was three wild pitches. He loaded the bases, and it was, I'm almost positive, it was two or three wild pitches where one sailed high over the head of Austin Barnes, and it was not nice. Yeah, when he gets wild, he gets wild. And he gets very, very wild. He, he, he had no control, and... Thankfully, for his sake, they won the game. But from what you saw of manager Dave Roberts' face, it was awful. It was not nice. Yeah, Kenley Jansen has not been Kenley Jansen this year. It has not been the bullpen that has been the strength of the Dodgers. It's been incredible starting pitching, which you kind of expected. You just didn't expect their ace to be Hunjin Ryu leading the league in ERA and being just absolutely absurdly unhittable for a guy who was always mediocre to good throughout his career and now he's having a better year than Clayton Kershaw somehow. So go figure. Hyunjin Ryu at one point was one of the, when he did come up, he was a pretty good pitcher and then he completely fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. And now it's very good to see him uh, getting back up there. But Again, Nick, something that we have discussed. Mahomes Magic Crunch. Yay, cereal. They start selling that around here. I'm trying it. The new cereal. Made by Hy-Vee. H-Y-V-E-E. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I wonder if this will be a new thing for athletes coming out with, like, their own foods. Because, like, from what I remember, Mahomes is a big ketchup guy, so a cereal sponsorship kind of is confusing to me. I thought maybe they'd go with something on that vein, but this is cool, too. I'm all right with it. The cereal, according to ESPN, the cereals, uh, some of the unopened boxes are selling for $33 on eBay. That's because they're only selling them in Kansas City for now, so other people want them. But if they made it a national thing, if it's actually good cereal and people like it, it won't be $33 everywhere. And a case of 12 is $315 for Mahomes Magic Crunch. And he hasn't even tried his cereal yet. You know, it's just kind of odd. Felt like he'd be somewhat part of that. At least they'd have him get a box before it became mainstream to people. 
He's not even a big serial guy. They just were like, hey, can we use your likeness? And he was like, you're going to pay me money just to use my name? All right, cool. It's not garbage. Let's move over to the ice and something that you and I were speaking about before. And it, it's a shame, but we'll get there in a minute. Um, a couple of buyouts. Nikita Gusev. He was not Goose. bought out. He was not bought out. I was getting there. Let me finish my sentence. Nikita Gusev was traded from Vegas to New Jersey for a third-round pick and a second-round pick in 2020 and 2021. Or sorry, 2021 third-round pick and a 2020 second-round pick, respectively. Nikita Gusev signed a two-year, nine million dollar deal, four and a half million AAV. I don't think it's enough to keep Taylor Hall. I think the production, not only from, I'm saying Gusev, I think they're one of the budget teams, New Jersey. Yeah, they'll spend to the cap. They will. It's 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 happened before. They have obviously in the. Lou Lamarillo years. I just don't see. I don't see it happening now. They're in that rebuild mode. They're still in the rebuild mode. Two years ago, when they made the playoffs, they only won a game in New Jersey. Yeah, they went up against Tampa, though, so. They did. They were in favor. Winning a game was. Kind of an accomplishment. And I think also not and also making the playoffs was was an accomplishment as well. Yeah, yeah, for that team, absolutely. They were not supposed to make the playoffs that year. They were not supposed to make the playoffs. Um, everything was ahead of schedule. And right now, what they're doing, they are they had they had to spend to the cat uh, to the to the to the floor. They were almost I think it was eight or nine million under the floor, so they had to do that. They had to spend. They traded for P.K. Subban. They also... Uh, they signed a few a few, a few, few of their guys. Uh, still have not signed Pavel Zaka yet. Miles Wood, they avoided arbitration with. 2.75. What uh, sure they gave a contract to. Uh, uh, the Wayne Train. Best Wayne since Gretzky. That's right. Wayne Simmons. That one-year, $5 million deal. Is a lot of money coming off the books next year, and I don't know what is what's going to happen. They still have two more years of uh, Mike Camilleri's buyout. My goodness, I can't believe I just said that name. And three three more years of Corey Schneider at six million with a no trade clause. My goodness, that 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 stinks. Well, he rebounds at the end of the year. He's he did. their X factor. You kind of know what you're going to get from Taylor Hall. You know he was just going to be good. It's a matter of how great. Um, but if Corey Schneider can go back to being Corey Schneider. Mm-hmm. This is a good team. <clears throat> and the East is deep, and their division especially is ridiculous, but I wouldn't be shocked. And Nico Heeshear. I think Nico Heeshear, this is his time to shine this year. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see how the lines draw out. It's going to be good for him to kind of settle into a role that suits him better. I don't think he was ever really a number one scoring center type. He always got a lot of hype. But when he came out last year, he just never had that offensive flair. Maybe it's in there, maybe it's not. But he was a great defensive center. So him being a number two behind Hughes and being that kind of two-way guy to control checking other teams' best players and maybe also chipping in a little bit might make him 
play better and be a little happier and in a more comfortable role, even if the counting stats don't say, oh, he's playing amazingly. It might just, everything might fall into place better for him. A lot of critics, and something that I saw in NHL tonight a few days ago, that Nico Heashier could potentially be the number one center. He could potentially be the number one, Jack Hughes being the number three to start things off, with Travis Ajak being the two. I could see that just because he has a yeah. year of experience. He wasn't bad last right. year. He didn't pop, but... It wasn't anything fantastic. And Pavel Zaka most likely being the number four, uh, being the fourth line center. Decent center group. I would, I, I would expect that, obviously. Uh, Zaka has been pretty much a disappointment since being drafted um, yeah, he was a couple of years ago. When he got called up, it was like a big deal. And he's gotten he was, a lot of top six time. He didn't really do much with it. He's only 22. Drafted sixth overall in 2015 in Miami um, in the first round. So... Um, yeah, I remember when he got drafted. It was uh, it was a big deal. Um, that was that was the year. That was the year after um, Marty Brodeur retired. Well, he wasn't exactly a devil at that point. Right, that's true. But still, they could have Matt Porzell. Yeah, well, that's that's that, that's true, and that was that year, but. Um, but heading back to Nikita Gusev, though, we, we, we kind of got off on a tangent with, yeah. with, uh, I, with Gusev. I love though. the Gusev move. I, I think, think it's a low-risk move. You only have two years of him if he doesn't pan out. I think he'll have trade value, but if he doesn't play well this year, someone will pick him up for one year if they need a little scoring punch. The Devils can need a little money if they have to. And they um, still and they still have almost $9 million in cap space, too, to play with. Yep. He's potentially going to be an exciting offensive player, which bodes well for them keeping Taylor Hall because I think that's – the strain they are going down. They're trying to be a little more of a fun team. Yes. P.K. Subban screams fun. Jack Hughes is going to be fun. Wayne Simmons is more of a grinded-out type of guy, but I think overall this team is at least going to be a little more fun. They're going to be more watchable. They're going to score more goals than they did last year. If Taylor Hall stays healthy, they have a pretty decent top six, so they might have something there. I disagree with you. I don't think the Devils are out of the running for him at all. I think they have a very good chance of keeping him. I think they've done a lot of good things this offseason season. Pointed out to the, him and his camp that we're willing to make moves to try and make the team better, and there's still more to be done. They're not settling. The fact they went out and got Gusev showed that they were never a team that was originally pined to get him. So the fact that they were able to swoop in and make that move shows that they're always on the alert. They have cap space. They're using it. I do agree with that, and the reason why, and, and the reason why I bring this up is because I agree with that part. But the one thing that I don't agree with is the fact that we look. And, I, and, and, and we're scarred for life with this. The trade deadline comes very quick. And February, I hate to say it, folks, but we started this show a month and a day ago, actually, to the day today. So 31 day, 32 days we've been on the air. February is going to come quick. The trade deadline is going to come quick. Do you really, t are you going to try and tell me that the New Jersey Devils are going to try and, are, there, are they going to ask Taylor Hall and say, hey, do you want to stay here? I lost John Tavares. I don't think so. Yeah, I think Ray Shiro is smart enough that if he doesn't get Hall pen to paper by the trade deadline, he's going to move him. So, so that's the whole thing. And then what happens with the fans, though? What happens to the rest of the team? Do they completely tear it down and go Ottawa? No, I don't think so. You do have Jack it's Hughes, not like but... they have, like, big, high-contract guys that they're going to look to move. That's the thing. They don't, Like, you right. could maybe, 
maybe trade Zajac, you're gonna have to eat some money. Palmera, you could probably trade if you had to. You could trade Gusev if you had to. Subban, you might be stuck with. I don't know. It was a big thing with the money that Nashville couldn't really move him because of the nine million. So maybe you can move him. Like there, there are some veterans they can trade, but for the most part, their longer deals are to younger players. So really, if they trade Taylor Hall, they're gonna try and at least get one young player back for his position. I feel like, and then either slower draft picks or. Maybe a couple of good young players, maybe a veteran, because they're still going to have probably cap space by the trade deadline. So, plus you're giving away $6 million in salary. So, maybe they'll look for higher paid guys that are underachieving that they can try and do a little reclamation for. I think Ray Shiro is a good enough GM. Even if he has to trade Taylor Hall, he's not going to do something stupid when he does it. He's not going to give him up for nothing. He's going to make sure that, A, if I'm going to move him and basically lose out on any chance of re signing him this offseason, I'm going to get enough value that. My fan base and my team believes that we're still going to be trying to win going forward. And really, the X factor for that, for Taylor Hall, to me, continues to be Jack Hughes. If he comes out and he's unbelievable, is Taylor Hall really going to leave the chance to be on his wing for the next seven or eight years? I mean, if Jack Hughes is truly going to be one of the best centers in the league, an offensive dynamo, a great skater and distributor, that's perfect for Taylor Hall's game. Very few can skate with Taylor Hall. If Jack Hughes could do that... Why would Paul want to leave? Like, is, does he really, really, really want to get out of this situation? You have a we'll good see, GM, yeah. an organization that's been successful in the past. They won a couple of cups. Three cups. Couple of, like, Three you know, cups in the, the last 24 years. years. Yeah. So, like, this is an organization that showed they could do it. This is an Edmonton where it's like, even if I have Connor McDavid next to me, we, we still are going to be bad. Like, and that is, is, and that's a whole other situation in Edmonton with... Um, <laughs> Uh, with Connor McDavid, that's and and Ken Holland taking over as their general manager. At least but I think Ken Holland will eventually get things on the right for them. It's just they have so much issues with the way that team is constructed that he's got a lot of work to do. He's trying to figure it out. And also, he has to go from the top all the way to the bottom. That includes the front office as well. Looking to uh, Manhattan and the New York Rangers, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, his hometown team just bought him out uh, yesterday. Uh, the buyout numbers. Uh, I, I might laugh at this, actually. 2019-20, uh, it goes 1.483333 against the cap. In 2021, 2020-21, uh, uh, 6,608333 against the cap. And then the final two years is 21-22 uh, and 22-23, 1433 will go against the cap, and all the way for the final four years, uh, for, for the next four years, uh, Dan Girardi and Kevin Shattenkirk's contracts are a part of that buyout. And the best part about this, Nick, is that they probably could have kept him. Yeah, I think they could have kept him. And I think not uh, only could they have kept him, I think if they would have traded away Chris Kreider... I think if they would have traded away Nemestikov, holding back some money, you buried Boleski, and on top of it, you also either possibly maybe trade away and hold money and retain salary back of Brendan Smith. Eh, I don't think they're going to get anything for Smith. So then bury that, him. That one would have been tough. So then bury him. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know exactly how this contract works. You never know how much you're really going to save by sending him down, but... Yeah, to me, this buyout was a poor choice. To have it last four years is a poor choice. Like, I don't understand. And I, think, I understand yeah. bloating next year because they're going to have so much money coming off the books and they can survive paying Shattenkirk $6 million not to be there. The last two are odd. 
by 2021 and 2022-23, they should be trying to compete. Like This is a team that should expect by then they're a Stanley Cup contender, and to be blowing $2.5 million on Dan Girardi and Chattenkirk at that point is bad. Bad management. So that's going to be something you have to navigate in the future. I mean, you're right. I think, them out, yeah. You can't even, like, trade, like, you can't even trade them to an expansion team or a team with cap space or something by that point. Now you're, you're literally locked into that. You can't do anything about it. Like, and, is... and let's not forget, too, this year, 2019-20, is the last year with 31 teams. Very short-lived 31 teams. Next year, it will be 32 teams with Seattle heading into or becoming the 32nd franchise to participate in the National Hockey League. Lots of money coming off the books, Nick. You said it. Tons of money coming off the books. They're set up to be fine. That's, I, why buy out Shattenkirk? Why not try and find a way, like you said, to bury one of these guys who has a year left or trade him away, give up somebody else? Oh, right and still, fourth. and no, still, let's not forget, they, they only have a million dollars in cap space and they still have to sign Brendan Lemieux and Anthony D'Angelo. Yeah. You have six guys... Brendan Smith, I do not expect him to make to make the roster. No. But you never know. Jacob Truba being signed to a seven-year deal worth eight million, in my opinion, now looks extremely extremely stupid. I mean, I don't At first it was that. okay. He's a twenty-five-year-old defenseman. He is showing a lot of ability. He is. I don't. But then you also have well, and Brady Shea as well, five point two five. That's not bad. No, that's that's, that's a solid that job. that's he's a solid good. Yes, he's, he's a good defenseman. I, like I believe eight million dollars though. It's a lot. But then you look at Panarin though, eleven point six four two. I think that's okay as well. But now you're you have Pavel Buchnevich was just was uh, I think he avoided arbitration three point two five. That's a lot of money for Buchnevich. I mean, like playing him every game. So 3.25 seemed like a lot for two years. He better play a lot this year. They better have some confidence in this kid because otherwise that's going to look awful. Um, going back to Truba, it's risky because he's never shown he's a number one defenseman. He was always behind so many good players. and um, Behind Mike. Dustin Bufflin, behind Tyler Myers. And, oh God, I don't want to say Tyler Myers is great. But really, Tyler Myers, though, is decent. Yeah, he was, and he has shown to be a number one defenseman. He was shat, like shattered a little bit, Truba, like he wasn't getting the number one minutes, the number one assignment. So we're going to see. He's now their number one defenseman. He needs to come out and play like a number one. If he plays like a number one, he's a solid number one NHL defenseman. Eight million is fine. It's, it's the going right now. He's 25 years old. He's shown offensive ability. If he can play in his own zone and handle number one minutes every day... And he could be the quarterback lot, for the power lot, play. But, yes, he's a lot, but... It's what you got to pay to have those kind of guys. So it's the kind of, it'll, if he's a number one defenseman, it'll kind of be like Panarin, where it's a big number, but it's worth it because he's playing well. So that one's not the worst thing in the world, but you would have hoped to get him for less because he hasn't shown that he's a number one yet. So, I, And the fact that you knew he wanted to play there, but I guess him and his agent did a great job and said, hey, you don't give it to us, someone is going to. We'll take a short-term deal or find somebody to um, sign an offer sheet. Like they would have found a way to get the money to him, and they trade. The Rangers and, yeah. were hoping when they traded for him that they could get kind of a "you want to play here" type of discount. And they did. That's their problem, but you have again a lot of money coming off the books. That um, I would not be surprised. Chris Kreider or Nemestikov are going to be traded. 
one of those two are going to have to be traded in order to sign Brendan Lemieux and or Anthony D'Angelo. Yeah, I mean, if they're, they're both RFAs. I don't know if anyone even wants Mestikov. For $4 million, that's a lot. So yeah. Somebody will take Chris Kreider at that price. Somebody would absolutely pay him that to play this year. Mestikov, I don't know how that would go. If they... Then you hold back money. But you're going to yeah. have to. But in order He's to... probably the best guy to move, though, is Mestikov. In order, to, in order to sign them, now you're on a cap crunch. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, I think in the beginning, we were speaking about this. And we were saying how, in a couple of years, how this Panarin contract may look. And right now, it looks okay. It looks okay on paper because you have so many UFAs coming up and RFAs coming up. Ryan Strom's not going to be back. We know that after. Yeah, unless they're like a super bargain. He's an RFA next year. So yep. they might be able to get him on like a really short two-year bridge. And this like and, a depth forward and they like him a little bit. He might come And back. I believe that this three that this $3.1 million deal was signed when he was with Edmonton uh, in that trade yep. for Spooner. Uh, one for one at the time, but Ryan Spooner was also a buyout, three hundred thousand. Um, that's obviously a chunk cha a chump change. Um, Matt Bolesky, one point nine million dollars. It's a retained salary that ends uh, this year. Uh, he'll that that one will be buried. So you figure that's about another two million. Uh, he would have about three million in cap space. That might be enough for Lemieux and D'Angelo. D'Angelo isn't showing anything at the NHL level, but. We don't know. We don't know what the Rangers could could do. And again, there's there's a lot of movement that the Rangers now have to do. And all of a sudden, they were a team that it, it didn't. They had a lot of. They had almost 18 million in cap space. Yeah, we knew after they got Panarin that this year was going to be a little bit of an issue. So Honestly, I didn't think so. I didn't think this year was going to be a bit of an issue as well because also I did not think. That that eight million dollar contract would go to Truba. I expected yeah, it to true. be. We talked about it was before he signed that. And I thought he'd be less. I expected but. it to be about maybe six and a half, seven million. Yeah, that's probably the ballpark I would have. That was the ballpark, but hey, they wanted him in Manhattan to play. Right here on primetime rundown, six o'clock. Right here, top of the hour, alongside Nick Partain. I'm Joey Jarzinka. The Arizona Coyotes. Two hundred thousand in cap space. It's enough for a lot of hot dogs. It is flying hot dogs, like in Philadelphia. I think the team could make a run. Dallas, cap crunch, million dollars in cap space and change. Toronto, obviously, it's that's that has an asterisk on it Mitch because Marner's there's still out there. We don't know what's going Mitch on. Marner is still out there, They're but still trying to work their way to clear some more money. Yeah, well, the good thing for them is is that they have two guys in Nathan Horton and David Clarkson that I think I can completely applaud Kyle Dubas for for trading for David Clarkson because he did it the right way and he worked around those unwritten rules that Nick Partain well, likes not, to talk it's about. Not rules. It's, it's not even an unwritten rule. It's part of the CBA that, right. he, that, that he basically read right off of and he could do it. Yep. And I believe that in the next CBA that most likely will be changed. Um, but there's $13 million in long-term injured reserve right now. Ten of which, ten point six of which, is going to be uh, designated for um, probably 
Mitch Marner. But then now you got to move about, let's say, $3 million to play it safe. You have also $3 million that Zach Hyman and Travis Dermott are due. And they're going to start, start the year on the uh, long-term injured list. We'll be right back on the opposite side of this break. Just a quick one here on Primetime Rundown. Alongside Nick Partain, I'm Joey Derzinger right here on Block Talk Radio and I-95 Sports Entertainment Network. We'll be right back. We welcome you back to Blog Talk Radio on the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Network right here on the Primetime Rundown along alongside my guy Nick Partain. I'm Joey Jarzinka. Yeah, I know, right? The, the way that that was, that was, forget that. But we're back here, 6.09 Eastern Time, 3.09 on the West, Central 5.09 and Mountain 4.09. Got 50 minutes left, Nick, and... We're going to stick to some football. East Coast football, the New York Jets, signing former All-Pro Ryan Khalil to an $8 million deal. Joe Douglas' first move. That's, that's got some Philadelphia Eagles written all over it. And why? Because Joe Douglas was vice president of player development for us for a little while. And hey, he's striking big here, nice and early. I like it. I know. I'm assuming you do. Yeah, I mean, it's a one-year deal. There's no risk. He's a veteran. At the very least, even if he can't play football, his brain might be worth $8 million to help out Sam Darnold and Jonathan Harrison, who would be the other center if Julio wasn't playing. But that, I can't see this not working out. If he's even replacement level, this is a home run because we really didn't know what we were going to have at center. And for Darnold, this is so, so, so nice. Totally. And not only that, too, also it helps Le'Veon Bell, too. And I and yeah. I believe that I did see him uh, on uh, seeing him after practice yesterday and when that was announced, and he was pretty happy himself about it. Uh, Matt Khalil can do some – he can do some work. Or Ryan Khalil, my mistake. Matt is the tackle. Matt is the tackle. But Ryan Khalil. Did I say Ryan or Matt before? I don't know. Why do we call them tackles if they don't tackle? I don't know. That's a good question. Ryan Khalil, though, uh, signing, as we did say, folks, again, my apologies, $8 million for one year, Sam Darnold's new center. I think that is the best for a rookie when you have a veteran presence there, especially uh, the one handing him the ball, or snapping him the ball. Uh, so many snapping issues last year. Yep. You know, and, and it's funny, we won't be seeing any more butt fumbles because Mark Sanchez retired last week. Listen, he's still... Sadly, one of the best Jet quarterbacks of all time. Man made two AFC Championship games. He was a great playoff quarterback, somehow. He would have very disastrous up and down regular seasons, but when the playoff time came, he was putting in the wins on the road against great teams and great quarterbacks. So, I'm gonna miss him, I guess. He had very low lows, but he took us the highest the Jets have been in a very long time, so it was something. Then again. I really wish he worked out better, because when they drafted him, the team was stacked around him. Then he again, came in and he was immediately a great quarterback. They would have won a Super Bowl. The defense no about it. and the defense was one of the best in the NFL at yeah, the time as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Oh my God! What a fun team. Yeah, that defense uh, was definitely one to I think one of the best, not ever, but definitely one of the best at the time for yeah. sure. Um, excuse me, and definitely one of the best teams. Uh, in the previous, uh, in the Super Bowl era, in my opinion, uh, on defense, and that definitely 
could have done wonders, but as you said, the offense uh, needed some work and the coaching staff as well. Um, something else I want to bring up too, and I want to go back to the Mets for a quick second. Just yesterday, Brody Van Wagenen came out with a letter. And Nick, I don't know if you saw that. Did you see? Yeah, I did saw you the see? Letter. Did you see what he? Okay. So for the fans that for the fans that have not heard, uh, I'll read it to you in 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 full quote uh, beginning quote. I want to thank you, the fans, for your relentless and continued support of the team this season. All they do is bash you, but go on. I wanted to update you on our goals and mission following the trade deadline. Wasn't it obvious? Our focus, our focus at the deadline was the same as it has been in the offseason and every day as we go forward. And how come you were shopping at two pitchers? We want to win now and win in the future. We wanted to improve the team for the rest of the year and as we head to 2020. We were able to add Marcus Stroman, one of the best pitchers in baseball, and a, and a guy who has New York roots. Correct. He is someone who thrives in big moments, Craves the competition and wants to be a part of something great. Yeah. Jason Vargas is a true pro. Not really. A great player. Eh, no. <laughs> I, I'm going to pause for a quick second at, at a great player. So as I read it, Nick is going to Nick is going to uh, he's going to respond to uh, I mean, to this. This is this is good. Just like handful, like not handful. He was pitching decently for a while. Like he became respectable. It's just. Don't, don't give me that he was like a, a respectable anything. He was a jackass. Like he just, not good. He was the other reporters. Like this is not no. He was he was that actually part of it was unnecessary. You'd say he was. He was like, throwing. He was also throwing haymakers yeah, at, at oh New York Newsday. God, like, no, 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 that was that could have been left out. Just Jason Vargas was a part of our team. We're sad to see him go. Or so you don't say he's respectable. He was in out of his mind. And it was a difficult choice to move him. But bringing in Marcus gives us one of the best rotations in baseball, which that we can agree with on paper. If Cindercar figures out that pitch. We had a lot of incoming calls on a number of our other players. So they have incoming calls. Is that the case? Okay. Yeah, but we knew that. But at the end of the day, we weren't going to move key pieces on our club unless we felt we would be better positioned moving forward. We are now the underdogs and chasing the pack. This team has had really good chemistry and positive energy dating back to spring training, and we now have to, have to overcome what we put ourselves up against. In the last few weeks, our pitching staff has shown us what we know they are capable of. The team's performance has been great, and we do believe we are capable of playing this type of baseball moving forward. And they did win the seventh game yesterday. This was also after they had won seven in a row. In the last few weeks... Uh, sorry, my mistake. I, I just read that. The gr this group has shown resiliency and has earned the right to go out and play meaningful games in the next two months, and I know they're excited to go and do that. Our organization, from ownership on down, is supportive and has given us the resources to go win. No, they have not. Well, that's already argued about that. I think they do more than people say. That's been our... Well, I think they do it the wrong way, but that's another thing. That's been our mission, and we don't see that changing. We are excited for the rest of this year and to keep this momentum going. Let's go Mets, end quote. 
He knows they won seven straight games against the last place Pirates and a terrible White Sox team, right? I think this now puts a bullseye on him. I mean, it's been on him all year. He just needs to shut up for once, but hopefully they just get knocked around the rest of the year and maybe he'll go into hiding for a while. I think, well, he had, he did go into hiding for a while from the press, actually. Oh, from that. Right. Let's get back to that. Win six games in a row, and all of a sudden he's back on his high horse. He won, and they and, and also they did shut out the White Sox yesterday. The Granted, White it Sox. is... The potent White Sox. It is the White Sox, and now they start a three-game set against the Pirates tonight at PNC Park, starting at 7.10 Eastern time. But to me, I think that is the jinx. And I also believe that it is a that's-so-Mets type thing to say and do. Especially when you have had a mediocre season. Yeah. Robbie Cano has, I don't want to say found a groove, but I believe he's at nine home runs, ten home runs now, I believe. He's finally found something. Doing better, that's for sure. He's doing, yeah, exactly. He's doing okay. Jeff McNeil is proven to be someone pretty Stunned. decent. But could they, will they hold on to him? They're going to hold on to him, but will it be like a Cespedes where he gets injured? I mean, will it be, will it be like a, you know, will it be like a David Wright type situation where was, you know, he had obviously a degenerative back issue, but it, I feel like the Mets, the Mets do have bad luck with certain players because, you know, just a couple, just a few years ago, Nick, they, they were, they were in the World Series. Yeah. Cespedes, David Wright, uh, Daniel Murphy, Lucas Duda, um, you know, uh, as Drupal Cabrera, it's... It's really a, a Michael Conforto, Michael Kadire. Oh my god. You know, and, and I'm and, and I am <laughs> and I am pulling these names just it's it's unbelievable. And I think the Mets are haunted from what's happened to Cespedes. And I'm sure we'll never know this, but I'm assuming that they probably have insurance on his deal. Probably. On the most recent deal. I know they, for a fact, they have the insurance on David Wright's deal. And I think the Mets have done it the wrong way. And I think you and I, Nick, we have argued about that. And that's what makes this show great. And it's going to keep getting better as well. Once football season gets here and the Jets and the Eagles play, we'll have a special. You wearing your Jets jersey, me wearing my Eagles jersey. But... I'll need to own a Jets jersey. There you go. Or even a t-shirt. Whatever. Whatever you have. Well, whatever you got. We get a Joe Douglas There you go. There you go. There you go. In my opinion, the Mets did it wrong. You traded away so much for Edwin Diaz. And the kicker the throwing was $30 million of Robbie Cano for the next, I don't know, five years? Is that long? I think so. He signed that 10-year, $300 million, I think it was in 2013. Was that recently? Damn. Was it 13? Now we got to look. 
I'm almost positive. Why are you looking that up? I mean, the way I saw it with the Mets then is that they're trying to capitalize on not having to sign Syndergaard just yet, not having to sign Wheeler just yet, and having DeGrom still being on the fringe of his prime, just coming off one of the best pitching seasons we've seen in a really long time. DeGrom is only getting older. Eventually, you're going to have to pay or trade Syndergaard and Wheeler. They tried to take advantage of a possible win-now opportunity and solve two problems at once, bringing in one of the best closers in the league. Ooh, you know, that's exactly worked out. And Robbie Cano, you at least figure would be able to hit for some average and play a position that they hadn't locked down yet. Jeff McNeil looked good last year, but we didn't know if he was a long-term option at second. So, I mean, the move obviously now looks like a disaster. You're trading your top prospect, Jared Kalanick, in the yep. trade, and he's looked very good so far. He played in the Futures game. But like, Justin Dunn I, as well. I understand what the Mets were trying to do. They were trying to capitalize on the fact that their best asset, their starting pitching, was going to either become too old to be effective or too expensive to keep. And they tried to take one big swing and succeed with those three guys in the fold. Things just haven't worked out. Yes, but the issue is is that you can trade Jared Kelenic and Justin Dunn, and you could package them up along with Jay Bruce, and you could get someone better than Edwin Diaz and Robbie Cano. Yeah, true. They, you they could have send back all their other stuff. They send back their Jay Bruce's and Anthony Suarez. But what they that's, wanted, that's the but the problem was Nick also is that what they wanted to do was they wanted those names without actually getting better. They wanted to trade. It was basically, it, it was it was terrible. In my opinion, and just even looking here, from what we have seen, it is a disaster. There is what multiple people have said here, and I'm looking, Mike Puma of the New York Post, they earned it an F for Robbie Cano this season. A massive misstep. The trade for Robbie Cano was a massive misstep, and guess what? Hate to say it, but he was the forefront of that forefront of that trade. Wait a minute, He was because if you look at it, Edwin Diaz was again a flash in the pan. Yeah, he had a couple of good years under his belt. I feel like this year would be more of the aberration if you look back on how he's pitched his entire career. And it's blew up in his face. It wow. blew up in his face. If I know the Mets, he's probably pitching with an injury or some nonsense. That's why they trade him into. Immediately become excellent. You know, Anthony Swarzak has been really good this year. It could be really bad for the Mets last year, and they traded him basically for nothing. So I wouldn't doubt that this is a Mets ish type. Are of you surprised? A 90 year old pitching coach isn't getting the most out of him. It's absolutely Frank, I think is, um, I, don't, I don't remember his name, I think it's Frank something. Um, he's 1 in 6 with a 514 ERA. He has 24 saves. He already has given up more runs, or he's on pace to give up the most runs. He is already tied for his career worst in earned runs. He is one home run shy of his career high in home runs. He's also has a career low so far, which obviously that could change, 66 strikeouts. Yeah, hell of flips probably those first two years. Though, most likely. His whip is the highest it's ever been. It's an utter disaster. Yeah. But going back to what I'm saying to you, Nick, is that what I believe, what could have been done, you traded so much for a player who last year, yes, 57 saves. He was 0-4 with a 1.96 ERA in 73 games pitched. 
gave up 41 hits total. He's already given up. He had 120, right. He had 124 strikeouts. Great job. And he was on outstanding. He was, reliever in baseball. He was amazing last year. But you, and I, and you know what? And that's the whole thing. I, me, I would have ran away from the Mariners if they would have said, okay, here, take Robbie Cano. The Mets have had bad luck in the long-term contract department. Yeah. They've had very, very bad luck in that department. You look at guys of Johan Santana. You look at guys of David Wright. Daniel Murphy has bounced around. He this year can has four more years. Go. Yeah, he has four more years. And he's getting paid $24 million a year. Remember the Yankees didn't want to give him 10 years? Yeah, and he and he, he said goodbye to the Yankees, and guess what? why you trust Brian Cashman. Oh, and, and I didn't say... He's been perfect. I did, not say, I did not say I didn't trust him. But what I do think is that right now, on paper... To be fair, he signed Ellsbury after that, so... Exactly. The way I see it, and we'll get to the Yankees in a second, because I definitely want to finish the show with, with our Yankees. The Mets, going back to them, they've had some issues in that, in that uh, department of signing long-term contracts. Todd Frazier didn't work out. Todd, he got a long-term deal, though. He had like two or three years. Yuri's Familia came that back. Was, that was a bit rough. That one has been an absolute disaster. He's only have one more year of Ellsbury? That's nice. I'm looking at it right now. Justin, Justin Wilson was signed from the Tigers. That was, that was a good signed. deal. He's been hurt all year, though. He has. Brandon Nimmo, unfortunately, he's been hurt all year as well. Not all year, he's been, he had like a good half a year, and then all right. of a sudden he got hurt, he's been out for a while. 53 and 55, I want to see the Mets do something, and you know what, I don't despise, I don't, listen, they, they right now, yes, they're on, they're on a seven game win streak, and then oh my goodness, there comes all the hoopla, as you saw with, uh, with, uh, with Brody Van Wagenen coming out with that absurd tweet. For all the Mets fans that are listening out there, it is an absolute atrocity that your general manager can come out after a seven-game win streak against the White Sox and the Pirates and say, oh yeah, we are the underdogs. Yeah, you are the underdogs. You are. But don't flaunt it. Be humble about it. Accept what your team has done. So why is he tweeting? That's the whole thing. You did not, did not you only have... that, can, can we say something? You did not want to be, to, you, did, you, may, you did not make an appearance at a press conference for almost two weeks prior to the All-Star break. I have friends in the media who texted me multiple times and said, I, I asked them almost every day, is Brody Van Wagen in there? Nope. Uh -uh. Same answer for almost 17 days. And then all of a sudden, it comes out on Twitter that, oh, he's got a scheduled one the Friday after the All-Star break. Your team has been an utter disaster this year. Your moves have been horrible. 
To be fair, I thought the record was worse than it was. Honestly, I did too. But right now, two games under 500, your team has been doing well. Guess what? Take it. Out of the wild card. Take it. Which is a mess in the National League. Take it. Accept it. Be humble about it. Don't flaunt it because then when it blows up, it's going to come back to you and the New York media will rip you apart. Again, I have some colleagues that work for the New York Post, for the Newsday. I know exactly who these people are and what they will do to you, and they will attack you. That's what New York media does. That's what the media does. That's what I do at times. Just a quick sidebar, something we talked about before. The Chicago Cubs have won since our podcast has been going, so now they're half game ahead of the Nationals and Phillies with the NL wildcard spot. The Mets are four back of a second wildcard spot, which is incredible. Because the Mets are four games back, and they have six teams ahead of them for, that wild, for the two wildcard spots. And I give a lot of credit. I'm extremely happy for my friend, Major League hitting coach Anthony Iaposi has done so well over there. Nick, you brought up Javier Baez. I'm happy for Tim Healy. Yeah. Jason Vargas is gone now. That is true. I wonder if he told him to have a nice day when he left. I want to move over to the Yankees for the final half hour. And at 6.31 in two minutes, we're going to have our 6.31 Suffolk County sports update. Um, what Brian Cashman has done has been surreal the last couple of years. You flip Chapman. And then get him back. You flip Chapman. all-star second baseman shortstop for him. And not only that, you also... Trade Andrew Miller, who has been, and actually, just at that time, Nick, he's been oft injured since the World Series yep. in 2015, 16. Yeah. 15, I think it was. 14, 15, or 15, 16? I think it was 15, 16. Yeah, 15, 16. 15, rather. Um,. No, sorry, 16. Yes, the 15, 15 was um, oh, the Mets. Mets, Mets Royals, right? 16 was uh, Cubs and um, Indians. Cubs and Indians, right? Yeah, 17 was Dodgers, Astros. 18, obviously, last year was um, Dodgers, Red Sox. Um, heading back to what I was saying, you flip. You don't even flip. You trade away Andrew Miller. Get back Clint Frazier. And Justice Sheffield. And Justice Sheffield. And then you try it, trade away Sheffield to the Mariners, get Paxton. Not doing too well here. I get it. Your, your need for pitching is huge. Yeah, he's still got a couple months to rebound. And even if he's awful all year and has one good playoff start, it kind of becomes worth it because... If we win the division as bad as he is, it doesn't really matter. So, we'll see. He needs to show up when we need him the most. Which is what I said when they first traded for him. All deals for the Yankees right now come down to do you perform in the playoffs or not. That's it. The Houston Astros made multiple trades yesterday after yeah, they put some work. the deadline. That's what it was. Oh. It was after the... Well, it was obviously it before the deadline. It came through. through right. It became official right after the deadline, obviously. Reported from Ken Rosenthal, his 
Twitter said, Breaking Astros get Granky. The moment I saw that, you look at the top three pitchers on that team. They are all number ones. Every yeah. single one of them are number mm -hmm. ones. Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Zach Granke is your number three pitcher. Can the Yankees, can the Red Sox, can the Indians, the Twins? Yeah, the Twins didn't do anything either. No, they didn't. I think Houston put themselves head and shoulders above everyone else. I mean, their record is right there with the Yankees, but you're right. Those three pitchers, and the Yankees have had a ton of trouble with Verlander. So, and they've had kind of thing that I think the Yankees are still the second best team in the American League, and I don't think it's that that big a difference. But the Astros got to be the favorites right now. I think they're 100 percent the favorites, and I also think that with the Yankees sitting back and doing nothing, I think that right now Brian Cashman is definitely banking or knows something that we don't know. And hey, listen, if that's the case, all power to him. But if nothing, as I anticipate, happens. And if there's no update on anything or anybody, then the Yankees are in for an ALCS defeat. If they even get there. If they, if they even get, get these guys back, they might not even get back there. Because most likely they're going to play, you figure, Minnesota. Because Houston will play the Red Sox. Or right now... I don't believe, I don't know who is in the... Tampa and Boston, or is it Tampa and Cleveland? I think it's Tampa and Cleveland. It is. Boston's not even in it. They're three and a half out. Even old players have them. So I, I just, I don't see Boston making the playoffs. I think they're talented enough, too. Their run differential's pretty good. Just, they're pitching. Yeah, they, haven't, they haven't shown up when they needed to. They've gone on I think they have kids. A, they, they haven't worked themselves. They have, a, they have a World Series hangover. Yeah, I can see it. It's tough. They had to really bust their butts to get as far as they did and win it all last year. It was not an easy road. So The amount of money that Dave Dombrowski sent, that's what he does. Yeah, he goes in places and just throws money out. And, and then he leaves. Makes teams good and then leaves and then they collapse. So, so love him for a minute. to LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, you love him for a minute and the second things are going all right, you get the heck out of there. Cleveland, Tampa Bay, Oakland. I'd love that. I'd love to see two of those three teams playing in a one-game playoff. Those are three spunky, small-market, low-payroll teams that really do things smart to get where they are. It's good. I'd like to see one of them move on. I also do believe that it's going to be Yankees-Minnesota or Yankees-Cleveland uh, in the first round of the ALDS. Probably be Minnesota. October. Yeah, I would assume so as well. You know, three games, three games ahead. That'll be a run-scoring series. And they played recently all the runs that were going on the board. That'll be a fun series to watch. And then Cleveland could be a dark horse. They traded Trevor Bauer, but they could still maybe get Carlos Carrasco back this year. They could end up getting Corey Kluber back. That's what I was going to say. You have Shane Bieber, who's been pitching great. You have and Mike you just Clemens got Danny Salazar back, too. Yes. Like they have they have enough pitching even without Bauer. And you bring in two power bats in Yasiel Puig and Fran Reyes, who hasn't been talked about nearly enough. This kid can hit. And Mike Clevenger is. Let's not forget him too. Yeah, I just said Clevenger. Like they have a good oh, yes. starting nice. rotation. They have now two power outfielders after they had one of the worst hitting outfields in the majors after letting Brantley go to Houston, which turned out to be a huge mistake. But now they got two guys in those corner outfield spots who can absolutely hit. 
well-managed Terry Francona. Been there before, done that. They came onto Brad Hand in their bullpen. They, they have pieces. They could very well give Houston a run for their money in the first round. If they get all their aces back healthy and win the wild card game, they could give Houston a good series. I think it's going to be good. I honestly do believe it's going to be uh, it's going to be tons of fun come October. Uh, our 631 sports update, Nick Partain. Anything that you may have? Uh, I mean, you already touched on basically the big stuff that came out today with the Christmas Day games and Brian Khalil going to the Jets. I mean, how about David Griffin sounding off that how he hated basically being the Cavs GM during the LeBron era there. He keeps clarifying that it's not like LeBron's personality and whatnot, but it really is because basically what happened was the second LeBron gets there, it's every move has to be made to win now. You're trading all your draft picks, no young players, get every veteran, get everything, squeeze us under the cap, oh, we're not doing great, big trades, bring on the money, get ownership to approve it because this is not a big market team. It's a really stressful job and I can understand why he didn't like it. And his line that popped out the most to me was, the second we won the championship, I knew I was not coming back. Like, he was done. He did it, and he's like, I, I can't put up with this anymore. And that's, that's kind of shocking. Because he's shown since then with the Orleans that he's a pretty good executive, and he was run ragged by the LeBron era, the second LeBron era, I guess. So. I think, I, I, I do, I agree with you. I truthfully believe that wherever LeBron James goes, it, dest it destroys you. It, destroy, it, it will destroy your team. Whatever he leaves, he leaves wreckage. Right. Well, and that goes the same thing with Dave Dabrowski, who we just touched upon also yeah, yes. with that, it's too. Good another another roster move, um, not really in the NFL, um, but Melvin uh, uh, Melvin Gordon okay. wants a trade out of Los Angeles, out of the Chargers. Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere either, but also I do believe that the Chargers will hold Pat at $10 million because, unfortunately... Uh, they're not. They're not a big. They're not a big team that would go out and drop the money. There's a lot of good young players. They're not they the Rams. Like, right? They eventually have to pay Joey Bosa. They have to pay Derwin James. Like they have some studs that they've been drafting that have to get paid. Yep. Keenan Allen just got paid as well. They're not paying a running back fifteen million. That's absurd. No. So yeah, and, and they, that's they could play Eckler. They could play it's like Justin Jackson Giant right now if they mm -hmm. wanted to and have like a between the tackles guy to go with Eckler and Jackson like they. Running backs aren't worth that much. Ten million is a lot. Like you should be happy he's even getting offered that. And I think eventually he's got to smarten up and just take ten million a year. Oh, and I also and he's also not someone without a contract. Alas, uh, J. Davion Clowney, uh, he never signed his franchise uh, his franchise tag. Melvin Gordon right now has a contract. Yeah. he's under the fifth year option. So exactly, he's, he's contracted. But yeah, Clowney who knows what's going to happen there. Yeah, but I I don't believe Clowney is going to be um, on the team. Come September. Joe was do the thing. Oh my, that would be something. Well, there's a lot of rumors. That by a lot. There's a lot of rumors going around that the Eagles <coughs> could potentially do something as well. And really, I, I mean, think I, I don't. I, does I, he fit Philly though? Because he's no, he been playing as an outside linebacker. He's a three-four, right? Yep. And he doesn't because Jim Schwartz is a four-three guy. Hey, right. listen, even though I'm sure he'd be fine as an end there, but I don't know if you're, you're going to give up the assets the Eagles would have to to. Kind of I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't do it, and especially Connor Barwin has come out and has said publicly, "Listen, Howie Roseman, call me. I want to play for you." Most guys, 
they come out and say that usually towards their latter years, and that's kind of what happened now. Connor Barwin has said also that, and he wasn't good with the Giants. No. He was decent with the Rams. He was a good locker room presence. Not that good there also, but once he left, once Chip Kelly got fired, he, his, he went downhill because, again, he's a 3-4 outside linebacker. He says he wants to try and play either weak side or maybe a right side defensive end. Yeah, weak side linebacker cool. would be odd if he's not rushing the pass. That's what I'm that. saying. I don't see kind it. Of a weird, the only comp I can think of is maybe kind of like the role Bruce Irvin paid on the Seahawks right. back when they played the 4-3. Right. Because he was a good rusher from that position. So maybe Bruce Irvin is also a type 3-4 guy. And he, right. pl- and he played in a 4-3 system. He did win the Super Bowl. Right. Good for him. But yeah, that was a loaded defense, man. They had a bunch of guys who were exactly. flat-out chess pieces all over the place. You could move around. And we'll get to that in a second. But uh, Jonathan Cyprian, uh, former safety uh, on, the, on the – well, sorry, former Tennessee Titan, current safety. Um, he tore his uh, Achilles – or sorry, his ACL last year. Yeah, his ACL last year. Eagles signed him to a one-year deal. Most likely will be on the roster. Um, I, I think the their Eagles are going for it completely. Um, I think that was evident. Um, yeah, everything they've done, basically. They, they have one of the they've signed in the league. They know what they're doing. They've signed names. They've continued to sign names. Your fourth safety, Nick Partain, is Andrew Sandejo. I don't really know how you can have Andrew Sandejo as your fourth safety. Well, the problem is that Rodney McLeod is coming off the scene of the knee injury, so yeah. if he's not healthy, then really Sandejo is your one reserve or Cyprian, depending on how healthy he is. I mean, he's had plenty of time to recover, but we don't know what he'll be like coming off of this season. So it's not like they have four studs back there. you got to be careful. We don't know exactly who's going to be healthy and ready to go. So, And also, and also another... Um, Another update as well. Uh, Spencer Ware for the Colts was just placed on the PUP reserve. His season is officially over, which is really a shame. Um, I think, obviously, uh, with Marlon Mack being there, he would have been the number two. Spencer Ware. He was one of my favorite fantasy football pickups. Every time with Kansas City. Yeah, every time a starter got hurt, there was like, go get Spencer Ware. He's going to be awesome. And he put up like big weeks and like little chunks every time he got the start. So. So we won't be hearing his name this season in our fantasy football league. Um, But let's play with the right people. That is that is that is very true. Uh, Nick, let's talk about though football. We're here. Let's. We've spoken about Ryan Khalil. we didn't talk, speak about our predictions. We didn't speak about, you know, Hall of Fame. Is, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony is tomorrow in Canton, Ohio. Uh, Champ Bailey, Ed Reed. Two guys that grew up watching dominate. It's just, it's unbelievable to see, especially Ed Reed, one of the best safeties in the NFL. One of the best safeties ever. Yeah, he might be the best ball hawking safety ever. Well, very, very, very few track balls in the air. and also Brian Dawkins as well. Yeah, I feel like Dawkins wasn't as much of a ball hog as he was a big hitter. Like, Ed Reed was just a pure center fielder. I'm going to bait you, quarterback. Yes. Like, one of the interviews he had after, I think, he was voted in, he was talking about how he baited Peyton Manning. Oh, yeah. In, like, a game, like, years earlier. Oh, yeah. Like, faked that he didn't know what the freaking... 
uh, assignment was and picked yeah. through a deep ball and he turned and got him on the oh, pick. Yeah. Like, this guy was otherworldly out there with yeah. his brain. Yeah. Really he, fun player to watch. I don't think that there is a safety out there that can be compared to him today. I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I think there, there, you have a whole bunch of safeties, Landon Collins, uh, to name one. Definitely not the same type, but in terms of in terms of production, probably Kevin Byard is the closest because he's he gets a lot of picks. Like that guy can absolutely play center field too. That may be the only guy I can think of. Tennessee Titans, yeah, just signed that big deal. Yep, and he got and he got rewarded for that. Nick, your biggest storyline for. Football, baseball, heading into the final 15 minutes of our show. It's got to be Cleveland Browns, right? Going from being the laughing stock of the league, turning things around. Baker Mayfield, OBJ, big personalities. Freddie Kitchens is the new head coach. They are volatile. They are fun. They are loud. They are brash. Can they win games? They're in a division that is incredibly winnable after Bell and Brown leave the Steelers. The Ravens lost C.J. Mosley. They lost Zadarius Smith. Like, they... Both lost major pieces. The Bengals are nowhere near contending. They have a new head coach and a crummy roster. And also, they also lost A.J. Green for probably about two, three weeks into the season. Right, right. So, are the Browns going to do something? Can they be competitive? Are they Super Bowl contenders? I don't know. There are a lot of good teams in the AFC. you got to still put the Patriots ahead of the Browns for sure. Um, Kansas City I'd put ahead of them. I'd put the Chargers ahead of them. And I probably put the Colts ahead of them just because they had a full, complete, great season last year and superb management. So they're going to be up there. I think they're the best team in the division. I think they should win that division. But the Browns the are Browns. Yes, I'm sorry. The Browns should win their division. They should be the best team in there. But counting out the Ravens and Steelers is very hard. Every year those two teams compete. And we'll see how that goes. But I think they're the best story. Yeah, I, I, do, I, I, do, I do see that. Um, think that that's going to be tons of fun as well and I think another storyline too I want to bring up um, are these holdouts and I think that Ezekiel Elliott Jerry Jones is another one who needs to shut his mouth but unfortunately that'll never happen um, he's come out publicly and said that we don't need a rushing champion to win the Super Bowl yeah he, he. Okay, if that's yeah. what you want to say, sure. I mean, yeah, if, you, if you look at if you look at your your Super Bowls back in the '90s, it was Troy Aikman, it was Emmitt Smith, it was Michael Irvin. I don't know. I mean, if Emmitt Smith wasn't there, if Emmitt Smith wasn't there for three of them or for for a majority of his time, I don't know if they would have won the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's definitely fair. But this is a very different era. It is true. The it is true. Does not, I mean, even no. a superstar running back doesn't have the impact. I mean, it was the last time but a the game running back won a Super Bowl. But the, right. But you know what? The game has changed. <clears throat> I do agree. I do agree with that. Yes, you don't need him, but he can change the whole offense, though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're gonna try and sign him. He's just trying to play hardball on the money because he knows he has to sign Dak. He knows he has to sign Amari Cooper. Mm -hmm. Like, but one thing Jerry Jones has done well is he signed good contracts for his best players. He doesn't yes. go out there and overpay. He gives the guys the money they deserve when they deserve it. He knows how to get star players under contract. So he just knows he has three huge ones on the horizon. And he's going to try and manage it as best he can. Because Elliott is one of the best running backs in the league. He's a head case off the field. You don't know what's going on. That's the whole thing. 
So that's where they can try and bargain down with him. They can use the running backs aren't that valuable argument. He's trying to chip away at his value to the point where he can sign him to a respectable contract. Dak, you're going to have to pay a lot of money, but he just hasn't shown that he's an elite quarterback. But you're kind of pigeonholed into this vacuum the NFL has now where mediocre quarterbacks, you have to pay big money to keep them. And it's a problem for a team like the Bengals, who had to give Andy Dalton a ton of money when the Ravens gave Joe Flacco a lot of money. Like, these things happen where you're kind of forced to pay the guy, even though it might not be in the best interest of the team. But we'll see what happens. He's and, going to try and keep Dak's numbers low. And also, and also teams like the Eagles as well, and I hate to keep going back to Philly, uh, but you also signed Carson Wentz uh, to a four-year extension worth twenty or $26 million uh, per season. And that was a discount. $26 million for a guy who, uh, who has back issues, who, ha who just came off of a torn ACL two years ago. Uh, yeah, when healthy, he's an MVP candidate. Yes, he for is. $26 million, that's cheap. That, that, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You got him in a bargain. But now the whole thing is, is that Dak Prescott will most likely eclipse that $26 million because he's been consistently healthy. Yeah, it's, it's not even just that. It's just that the next quarterback up is always looking for more money than the guy Always, before. always, always, always. And on top of it, you also see, for instance, we'll move positions to wide receiver. Michael, Tomlin, Michael Thomas was just paid five years, $100 million, $20 million per. And guess who's now sitting back eating popcorn? Julio Jones, who is yeah. now in line for another contract. He was originally going to be a holdout. Yeah. He went to camp. He's going to play out his deal. The funny thing is, he, he still has two years left, but Arthur Blank, the owner, said, we'll get you a new deal. So mm -hmm. they're working on it. He's going to get in that neighborhood. Oh, he's, I'd he's say he's going to get 20 to right. 23 million. I'm sure Julio is happy that the Saints agreed with Thomas and just set his bar a little higher. So, But we'll see. That's eventually going to happen. I, I applaud Julio for going to training camp with two years left on his deal and not holding out at this point. Like, Good for you. You're probably going to get the money, go to training camp, show you're a team player, and maybe Blank will give him a little nudge and be like, all right, good job, buddy, and pay him a little more because of it. The Colts are working out Brandon Marshall. I don't like that. He just, he, everywhere he goes becomes a disaster. For the team. Yeah. Like, Seattle has just survived with having him, and they were still okay, but just that, I get what the Colts are going for, a bigger body, but you already signed Devin Funches. Unless you think Funches already looks out of shape and terrible, and you think that's going to be a disaster, they're trying to get more size, I get it. But Unless you move him inside, that, it doesn't matter. No. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. No, Marshall and Funches are not slot receivers. You no. can't, they're, just, they're not that kind of player. No, I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about Funches, but even yeah, because you, really, you can't have... I don't know, bad move. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. T.Y., even in the slot? Uh, Stud. I don't, yeah. And possibly you could get Brandon Marshall on the opposite side of Functious. That's really slow out there. Like I, I can't see the two of them ever playing together. My only guess is that either A, they're like, he's still out there. Why not work him out and see what he's got? Because Brandon Marshall a couple of years ago with the Jets was incredible, and then everything just completely fell apart. But I just I can't see that being a move that a smart organization like the Colts would make. Cameron Meredith. Signed with the Patriots. Speaking of smart organizations who know what they're doing, take a flyer on a guy who's coming off an injury, who's shown flashes of brilliance. Why not bring him in a team that could use some wide receiver help? So a team that basically uses any help. Yeah. Or a team that basically that that just brings on anybody. Sure. They don't they don't spend big money. They take guys off the bargain bin that they think have upside, and if they don't, 
like what they get, they kick him back, and it's no-risk move. Like, that is a no-risk, high-reward move, and the Patriots do it all the time. And that's why they... if fail in a row, you're not losing anything for doing this. And that's why you also have six Super Bowl rings yep. as well. Um, let's, let's keep it going, uh, Nick, and something... I want to I want to finish the, the the next eight minutes off with well not with one thing but I, I this this has to be said. John Gruden came out publicly while Antonio Brown is missing from camp, and if, if for the for the fans that don't know what Antonio Brown did. He came in on a hot air balloon. Business was booming. No pun intended. John Gruden has come out and said, the party cannot get started until Antonio Brown. I love John Gruden. Gets. I miss him on Monday Night Football, buddy. If you get fired, please come back. Jason Witten and all that was, was a disaster last year. We need you. We Joe need Tessator, you Jason Witten. Joe Tessator's all right. Witten's Witten. going back to the, he's going back to the field. Good. I, I didn't like him. I Booger McFarlane. Booger was all right. Well, I mean, they had a star with Booger and Tessator. They'd be all right. But, like, neither of those two guys are good enough, and the two as a pair is not good enough for me. Like, if you put Tony Romo, let's say, it wouldn't happen because he's with CBS. But if you put Tony Romo with those two guys, now we're cooking. I got something there, but... Those two guys just don't do it for me, man. I miss Gruden and Tariko. That was a great combo. Rip. The Oakland Raiders. One final year in Oakland. I have a sneaking suspicion that they could potentially win a decent amount of games. Right Home games. All right. It's tough to win in the black hole. We've seen it. We've we known this it. for a very, very long time. The black hole is... The Oakland Coliseum is one of the hardest places to play in all of football. Mostly because of the infield. No, that, Literally that, hardest. That is true. The rock. There's a lot of name players on this team. Obviously, that all means nothing until they perform on the field. You know who's backing up for Derek Carr? Mike Glennon. You know, I didn't know that. Yeah, I feel like I heard that a while ago, but it was so low-key that it's like, I don't care. But what I am very... Uh, very. What I am looking forward to, very much, is Hard Knocks. Oh my god, yeah, it's gonna be wild. Hard Knocks! Hard Knocks is the Jets one, and this, this I might have to find a way to watch, because it's gonna be exciting. Let's not forget, well, we can watch, because I have HBO. What we can do, what we will see, and I hate to bring this up, but it's funny. Nathan Peterman, how about, how about Richie Incognito? How he's allowed. Thank you very much, folks. Richie Incognito will be making his Hard Knocks debut. On Monday, I believe it's Monday or Tuesday, or is it Sunday? Now I gotta look. 
I wish they still had that Oklahoma drill where I could watch some fat lineman bury him. That'd be great. <laughs> I am beyond pumped for Hard Knocks to come out. For the first episode to come out. And it comes out August 6th. So that'll be uh, Tuesday. Tuesday night. And I know while I'm in, while I'm in Toronto, I will be, uh, there's no doubt about it, I will be, um, I'll be there. Really oh, I'll be watching. He, I really hope he picks a Gruden grinder every episode. That would be that would be fun. But Nick, I want to ask you about the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders. Could they be a team to look out for? No. <laughs> I, I just don't see it. I don't think so. Their division is one of the toughest in football. All three of the other teams that they're playing around have a claim to being something. Like the Broncos, if they can rekindle that defense they've had, could be something. I think the Broncos I could the be Broncos, good. The Chiefs and Chargers are two of the best teams in the conference. And on top of it, too, the Broncos also just signed Theo Riddick. And yeah, Theo Riddick has been very good. Yeah, he's a low-key nice player to have on your offense. Him and Philip Lindsay could make a very, very good 1-2 tandem. Yeah, well, you have Royce Freeman still there. We have to see what happens to him. He was supposed to be their starting running back last year. He was the draft pick that was and, supposed to pan out. And Devontae Booker, who most likely will be pushed yeah, out though. because of him, which really is a shame. Two minutes left, Nick. What do we got? Two-minute rule. Two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. All right, Joey, two minutes left. If you had to guess who's in the Super Bowl this year, go. Pick who's in the Super Bowl? Okay, yep. I think it's going to be a rematch of two of Super Bowl 52. Eagles, uh, Patriots. All right. How I'm about gonna, you? I'm going to go... No Chiefs and Rams. I, like I want to see the offense. I think the Saints choke again in some miraculous, wild way that they find an excuse for. Well, do you see... Now, let me ask you a question. Do you see the Rams offense coming alive, or do you see it coming alive like in the Super Bowl? I mean, not every coach is Bill Belichick. We'll see how many people are able to apply the strategies that he used against the Rams this year, but I... Sean McVay is going to have some new stuff. He's going to dial some things up. They'll I, be fine this year offensively. It's a matter of if any super defensive coaches can solve him. Well, with, with about two minutes left, something I do want to say, and this is the biggest storyline here, and, defi and definitely one for me that I would not want to draft. Todd Gurley. Yeah, we don't know. We what's don't going on. know, and we'll I don't think we'll ever know what, what, the, what whatever happened in the Super Bowl. I don't think we will. Until I, mean, I just don't think he was fully healthy and. They tried, and it didn't work out. It never came out, and we do not know right. what's going to happen. Something that I want to bring up to Nick, and two-minute drill, or a minute 30, as we hear Block Talk Radio say. A fan from Oakland pitched 90 miles an hour in a viral video, and he got a contract. If that was you, if that was you with the New York Yankees, do you think that you could get a contract? Yankees did never. How about a small market team similar to the A's, the yeah. Cincinnati Reds? Would well, you get? Would you? Do you is would a twenty-five-year-old throw ninety? Yeah, I think somebody would. Take it. <laughs> Another question: Would you eat Mahomes' magic crunch? We're still talking about cereal, right? We are. Okay, yeah. Would, would you to. try it? Yeah, absolutely. It's cereal. It's hard to have. Like, even cereal I don't love isn't necessarily bad. It's hard to be. 
terrible cereal. Even Cheerios are like, meh, but I'll eat them. That's all for this edition of Prime Time Rundown. Wait, how is Lucky Charms not going after them? It's magic <laughs> thing. That seems like a lawsuit. That's all for this edition of Primetime Rundown right here on Blog Talk Radio and the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Network. Alongside Nick Partain, I'm Joey Derzinka, and for all of us at I-95 Sports and Entertainment Network and Blog Talk Radio, good night. See you in two weeks.